Hello and welcome back to On The Scoreboard, a podcast where you can get your local football fix. On today's episode, we're going to provide a little local football update, what's been happening in the world of football around town. We're also going to have a look um, at other sports around the country, how the NRL is preparing to come back in over a week's time. We're also going to have a look at the Bundesliga came back over the weekend, one of the biggest football leagues in the world, returning to football in in the crazy time that we've been having recently. We're also going to provide our own World Eleven. We saw this challenge on the internet where we had to come up with a World Eleven of footballers that haven't played together, so you can only have one club, one country in the team. Uh, provided a bit of a difficulty in trying to make up a team, but nevertheless, we've come up with our own teams. We're also going to talk about the documentary doing the rounds at the moment. All sporting fans, I think, have really relished this documentary in the times that we're living at the moment, getting their sporting fix with The Last Dance, the documentary being released about the 97-98 Chicago Bulls and touching heavily on the elite sportsman of Michael Jordan, which will lead us into our top 10 athletes of all time. So that's on today's podcast. I'm joined by my co-host again and Jalen J. Manhine. What's going on, mate? Good to be here, obviously. Uh, plenty to talk about. Definitely, so. mate. It's exciting to have some, well, football back finally. Yeah. We had some football back last weekend if you're into the <laughs> Korean leagues, but to get one of the big European competitions back yeah. over the weekend was amazing. And I think some of the football showcased why that Bundesliga is such an amazing league. For me personally, obviously, the Premier League is one of the toughest competitions there are in Europe. I think a lot of players say that as well. But uh, for me, the Bundesliga is second. Mm. I think technical ability, finishing ability, you know, those players in those leagues have it all from your Bayern Munich right down to your bottom ta- bottom teams. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a very exciting league to watch. Yeah, and we'll touch again on the Bundesliga a bit later. But first of all, our own leagues here locally in Newcastle, Central Coast and the Hunter, there's been a lot of talk and speculation on how the, on the, how the leagues will be recommenced once the ban of, I think it's late June, will be lifted. Um, obviously, there's going to be a huge financial impact on clubs around the region, unfortunately, and they face the prospect of having no crowds at games, which also is a real detriment to their revenue and I guess all their sponsors are taking a hit too. So we're going to see a lot different, I guess, how clubs function this time of, well, this time of year and how they go forward from this. Yeah, absolutely. I think, obviously, the revenue that clubs make is probably going to be the biggest or the most noticeable um, thing you obviously canteen money, gate fees, uh, probably not for park football, but you know for MPL level, uh, no tickets will be able to be purchased. You know canteens will lose a lot of money, so the clubs overall are losing a lot of money. Mm. Obviously, Lake Macquarie have come out and said that them and their players have decided that uh, no one's going to get paid this year. Yeah, uh, that's from the coach down to you know the last squad member of that squad. So. I think for me, that's a great uh, initiative from them. And I'm sure there's other clubs that are in talks about doing it as well. Or mm. um, if not, that's fine. But it's good to see that like Macquarie have taken it on themselves to decide to do that. Yeah, they've all jumped on board on this idea. And yeah, hats off to them. It's pretty commendable what they've done. Um, it's understood that Northern New South Wales and clubs are still ongoing in their talks to recommence the season. But it's been speculated that the the proposed season puts the clubs has been a a 17-week competition starting in mid-July, which will have midweek rounds um, and a final series, depending on if there's no further 
uh, postponements to the league. If there is, then there'll be, I think, a first-past-the-post scenario. But um, what do we make of those two updates, mate? Obviously, a 17-week competition. There's 10 teams in the comp. Every team plays one team or two teams, maybe more than once. But, yeah, I think the original season was meant to be 20 weeks, but this has been brought back to 17. Yeah, let's just give us 18 first-past-the-post and you pay, play each team twice, I think. Well, it's 10 teams in the comp, so 18 games would yep. be, yep, two, both teams or each team twice. Mm. Uh, just give us that. Yeah, <laughs> I know Australia lives on final series and grand finals and that, but for me personally, it'd be so much more exciting to see even more emphasis put on league games. Yeah. Um, but that's my opinion. Uh, hopefully... You know, we get a bit more footy anyway if we go the 17-game uh, route and a bit of final series, then that's exciting too. Yeah. So just to have football back is, I guess, the main thing that we're all after. So yeah. in whatever uh, in, like whatever concept that comes back in, we'll accept it and definitely watch on. Yeah, I believe the second division in the Northern League 1 will take the approach of first-past-the-post with no final series. Um, they've already had... As we've mentioned before, two rounds have gone ahead in that competition, yeah. along with the WPL. I guess, yeah, and any football that can come back locally is a betterment. And I think the priority should still be youth football and and getting the kids back on the grounds because they're not really dependent on like gate revenue and, and crowds and such things like that. So yeah, I think exactly. that should be the first protocol. And I believe the youth comps are set to start a bit earlier yep. than... Early, uh, mid-July than the senior competitions which is great for the kids around the region and getting footballers back playing again yeah absolutely I think I guess my only confusement or concern is for junior football do parents count as spectators um, mm. I guess what's the ruling there do we have a black and white rule that parents have to sit in the car or yeah. um, can they be on the sideline or yeah, you know what happens there but um, obviously, youth football is important to this country. So mm. if we get the kids back playing, then that's absolutely a positive. Yeah. And when senior footy comes back, you know, we'll enjoy that as well. Yeah, and that's a, like across the board as well, rugby league, rugby union, yeah. cricket, once that, when that comes back, um, all sports. But I think once, uh, obviously, we've, we've seen this three-stage plan that the federal government have come up with and we're only in the first part of that. And I think once... June has passed us by. I think where even further restrictions will be lifted, and hopefully more spectators and people can gather in outdoor spaces at a larger volume. Then is I think it's the the ten rule now. We can have ten people in outdoor spaces. Obviously, if you're going to have what twenty two players on a field, you're going to have double that with the parents who want to come to the game. So it's not really um, ideal at the moment in terms of crowd numbers, but. I think once June rolls around and more restrictions are lifted, I think I think we can definitely see football coming back in yeah that late late July, which would be yep. again a big plus. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all on these restrictions at the moment. As you said, you can only have ten people in an outdoor space. Mm. Um, that doesn't work for football, obviously. So until I guess those restrictions are eased or um, you know gone all together. Yeah. I think we probably are just waiting and waiting and waiting at the moment. That's that's all we can do. Mm. I read it also that the player point system, which is kind of the transfer uh, window or scenario that the teams are 
and clubs are given that will open up just before the start of the season if senior football is to come back, which will provide clubs with an opportunity to try and restructure or manage their squads given that some players may be unavailable or some players might have returned or stuff like that. I know there's been a couple of signings in the MPL that I've seen come up with um, Western have brought in a couple of players in they've returned or retained Cooper Buswell, who's come back to the club, and ex-Olympic defender Marcus Duncan, who was originally meant to go to the Melbourne Knights in the MPL Victorian League, but has returned, obviously, due to the COVID-19 scenario. So that's exciting for Western, two really good players coming back to their club. And Charlestown Azuri has picked up Zach Bailey, formerly of the Newcastle Jets youth, has returned overseas from America, playing in the university leagues, I believe. So a couple of good signings for Western and a good signing for Charlestown Azuri, mate. Yeah, I think um, obviously two massive signings for them. Um, bolster the squad and obviously Charlestown as well you know we're in a situation now where some players would have lost jobs Hmm. and have had to get new jobs to support their family and stuff and you're not sure you know if football is now a possibility for them this season at least so I guess that transfer window scenario is probably key for these clubs to be able to restructure their teams Mm, definitely yeah, moving on from football, we've got the Rugby League coming back in uh, just over a week's time. The NRL is set to recommence on May 28th, I believe. Yep. The NRL have been really on the front foot in terms of trying to get the game back on and will be the first of the big codes in Australia to recommence. Um, all clubs are on board now. The Warriors are set up in Tamworth, I believe, and they're re- relocating to the Central Coast at a later date. Um, they've allowed for the Queensland teams to travel in a state along with Melbourne now. And yeah, it's just really exciting to have the one of the elite codes back on screen soon enough. And obviously there'll be no crowds and stuff like that. It'll be a bit different and still it's going to be rugby league. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Peter Volandis and what he's done, uh, obviously I think he had a team. I know Wayne Bierce was in there and a few scientists obviously they've done exceptionally well to get the government and not just you know one government they've had to have to worry about three states and the new zealand uh, government as well yeah obviously new zealand government allowed the warriors to fly out to australia which is nice obviously they didn't want teams flying in which is understandable in the current climate but they have allowed New Zealand to come out here. They are located in Tamworth at the moment. I think they head to Central Coast this week or next week. I can't remember, but it's very soon. Yeah. So, obviously, it's amazing for them. I actually read this morning at Sam Thiday said that if the Warriors were interested and they wanted an extra body, he'd be happy to give them <laughs> 10 minutes every week. Sammy come out of retirement. That'd be so, a sore eyes. That'd be uh that'd be interesting. See if the Warriors take it seriously or not. But yeah. as you said, you know we've got football back. It's not in the same capacity as we're used to it, mm. but it's not the worst situation either. If we were to cast back before the start of the season, who are the teams you thought could really go well this year and make it to the grand final or make the top four this year? Well, you you always think Storm and Roosters. Yeah. You also thought with Latrell signing. To Souths, you thought Souths were going to be a chance. Hmm. Um, you know, Brisbane have a good squad up there as well. Yeah. Um, what we've seen probably isn't what we expected fully. I think Souths are one and two. Roosters are, 
0-2, obviously Melbourne's 2-2, two and two, but you've also got Newcastle 2-2, two and two, Penrith 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. The teams that I had to finish in the top four were your Melbourne and your Roosters, but I also had Manly in there. Yep. And I thought Brisbane as well. I think Brisbane have a really strong team. They're a young team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... They may be a bit inexperienced come maybe finals time, but they, you just look at their forward pack and the players they've got in there, especially the younger players like your Payne Haas and your David Fafitas, even because Tony, well, Tony Sachs is a centre, but even him, that last game when they played the Bunnies, he scored a hat, hat trick that game. Yeah, which is off a of Hengali. Yeah, off a of Hengali when he comes back. Uh, Pengai Jr. Pengai, can yeah, keep himself. They've just got a stacked team on yeah. paper. I think they're not, up to, they're not up to the level of the Melbourne and... The Roosters, even to maybe the Raiders to an extent. Yep. But I think definitely they'll be a top four shout. And my dark horse is probably Manly this year. I think if um, they keep their, their gun players on the park, your Trevojevic brothers, your Cherry Evans, I just think Tommy Trevojevic is too good a player not to propel that side to yeah. a top four finish. And I think if he has a great year, he could be one of the Dally M contenders for sure. I just think he's just a big game player as well too. Which only benefits them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my dark horse to win it outside that top four is Newcastle. Okay. Um, and Parramatta are also there or thereabouts for me, I think. Uh, for Newcastle, it's about doing it when it matters most. And Parramatta is just closing the gap between good and bad. Mm. As we've seen last year, you know, their good performances were, you know, superb, world class. And their bad performances were just. Absolutely atrocious. Yeah, definitely. So I guess they've got to work out what works for them. And I think if Parramatta are to get better, it's on the back of defense. 100%. And I think the, to round it at the top eight, I had, um, I think the Raiders will be there again. I think Rapana coming back to the club is a massive boost. To yeah, their absolutely. Yep. I can, he's just a great player. I think the Knights will be there definitely this year. I think Pierce and Ponga will form a deadly combination. And the one I'm hearing about Adam O'Brien, really, really good coach. Has got him working really hard, really structured. Um, has a great game plan awareness, and he's got a great coaching resume that he's built up from his time at the Melbourne Storm and the Roosters. So see them re- return to the top eight for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Also had my own uh, North Queensland Cowboys in there. I think this is the year that they can bounce back and get into the top eight. Obviously, Valentine Holmes. I know Michael Morgan is out for the start of the year. But I know once he comes back and forms that combination with Val Holmes and the pickup of Ethan Masters as well, I think that'll prove pivotal for the attack. And just with our forward back, like Tamalolo, uh, Cohen Hess, players like that, Josh Maguire, all representative players, I think it's a good enough team to make the eight. And they should make the eight this year. And rounding out the top eight, I had the West Tigers. I think this year could be the Tigers' year. Obviously, they're renowned for coming ninth a few years in a row, but I think this yeah. is the year that they just break in. I think Michael Maguire is such an astute coach and will get the best out of that team. And I think you see a, a, a big year from Luke Brooks once he comes back. And I think Benji Marshall will steer them around really well too. So that was my top eight at the start of the year. Yeah, mate. Footy. It'll be so good to have it back once it's Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Can't wait. Righto. Moving on to the Bundesliga, mate. Back to football. We, were, we sat down and watched a bit of the Bundesliga on Saturday night. Watched a bit of Dortmund, Dortmund. and Schalke. Yep. Dortmund touched up Schalke 4-0 in that. That's their derby over there in, in the heart of Germany. Yep. I guess we're not accustomed to this yet, but it was so strange to see Dortmund Stadium without fans 
yeah um how the players went about it it just felt like a bit of a training game a bit of a friendly game it wasn't that real intensity to the game that we're used to seeing and i think that comes with obviously fans because football is an entertainment football players play for the fans but yeah what do we make of the bundesliga over the weekend mate obviously sensational to have football back on our screens but it was it just felt weird didn't it, it just it didn't look right but at the same time it was it was awesome to see football back playing at a professional standard yeah absolutely i think football's back is the main thing we need to be excited about as you said it was a bit eerie i mm. felt like maybe not like the intensity of the players but you know just that atmosphere that you usually get with football games wasn't there so you almost feel like you yeah you're watching a preseason friendly or you're watching you know something like that yeah where stakes don't matter um but that's probably just how it's going to be for the rest of this year yeah definitely so i guess we've got to get used to it obviously um but yeah so the top four sides all won yeah except or except for red bull leipzig so unfortunately for them they're they couldn't keep up the form they went into the COVID-19 break with. But hopefully for them, they find it quick and keep challenging because they've been exciting to watch this year. Definitely. And it's probably the tightest contested league in the Bundesliga we've seen in a long time. For, Obviously, yeah. Bayern have been the runaway winners for a good couple of years now. But Leipzig and Dortmund are really up their game and challenging Bayern this year, which is good to see. You're going to have, have a, a race all the way to the end, I believe, in the Bundesliga with Leipzig and Dortmund. Yep. Yeah, so it was just awesome to see football back on our screens. And it made us think about uh, world football. And we thought we'd come up with a little world 11 of plays we've seen over our time. But with a bit of a, a variance. So the rules were we can only have one player from each club and country. So for instance, if you wanted to put, say, R9 Ronaldo, original Ronaldo in your team, you couldn't. If you wanted to have Cristiano Ronaldo in your team, because they both played for Madrid. Madrid. Also, they didn't play for... Play together, but they both play for Madrid. So that's how it works. One club, one country Yep. for all of your players. So I'll start out with mine, mate. Yep. In goals, I had Jan Oblak. So Atletico Madrid goalkeeper, and I believe he's Slovenian. Probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world at the moment. He showed that in the, the Liverpool tie in the Champions League. Yeah, just his shot-stopping ability is second to none at the moment. And he's widely regarded as one of the best goalkeepers in the world and an integral part of that Atletico Madrid defence. It's so world-renowned for seeing, for being so hard to to penetrate. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's easily the best goalkeeper in the world right now, and I think he consistently proves why. Mm. So that's a good shout to have him there. In defence, I've got Philipp Lahm, the old German and Bayern Munich defender. Watching him going around a right-back, one of the most astute and tactically renowned players in the game. I think Pep Guardiola came out and said he's one of the smartest players he ever coached and he went on to do it all, really. He won a Champions League, World Cup, one of the greatest right-backs to ever play the game, really. Absolutely. Um, in, def- in central defence, I've got Thiago Silva and Virgil van Dijk. So Thiago Silva has done it year on, year out. Once He, he previously did it at Milan, now with PSG, has been their captain for a long time and just won league on league, like with on PSG. League. <laughs> yeah, just won. They won seventh straight, I think, this year, yeah, was it? Pretty much. I think so, so yeah. yeah. That's around the mark. But yeah, one of the best defenders in the world for a long, long time. Absolutely. Consistently up around the top defenders in the world. 
And uh, the other defender, Virgil van Dijk, um, probably one of the best defenders of the last 20 years. What he's doing at the moment, he'll be talked about as one of the, I think, great Premier League defenders once his time has come to an end. The way he revolutionized Liverpool defense once he came in from Southampton, obviously he was a massive fee at the time and everyone kind of raised their eyebrows and went 75 mil for Van Dyke. Geez, that's a bit it's a bit hefty, but he's paid that he's paid that back in tenfold. Like the yeah. the work he's done for Liverpool has just been phenomenal. Yeah, he's turned Liverpool from a uh, pushing for a top four spot to one of the best teams in Europe and now the best team in the Premier League. Mm. Um, they had a record points tally last year and still didn't win yeah. the league title. So and that's all on the back of their defense. Like we think of Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool, they scored a bucket load of goals. That Suarez, Sturridge, Gerrard, mm. Sterling. Um, you think of that team, you go, "Geez, they scored a lot of goals." Yeah. But the reason they never won that league was their defense was shaky. Yeah. That was what the fans cried out for so long, and they brought in the world-class goalkeeper and world-class centre-backs that they needed, and Virgil van Dijk is one yeah. of those. And and at left-back, uh, Denny Rose. This is probably the toughest position I had to film my team. I put Denny Rose in because he played for Tottenham and England, and on his day, he's now with Newcastle, I believe, on loan from Tottenham. But on his day, he was one of the best defenders in the Premier League. I know he played for Tottenham, the arch-rival of Arsenal, but nevertheless, he was a pretty good defender for England and Tottenham. Yeah, and was regarded as one of the best defenders in the Premier League during those two or three years at Tottenham were really pushing their claim for the title and making those top four spots. Um, moving on to the midfield, I had Danielle De Rossi in holding midfield, the old Roma and Italian defender. I think recently he was with Boca Juniors to end his career, but was with Roma for a good, just well over a decade and was just a solid, solid player, I remember. Watching the Euro 2012 um, tournament where Italy made the final, and he was one of the best players that tournament. Got in the uh, team of the tournament for that. Yep. For the Euro 2012, and watching that Italian team go around, and he's just one of the toughest players probably ever play the game, and the way he went about his his trade in midfield. Yep. Moving forward, I've got Kevin De Bruyne and Timmy Cahill. So I'll start with Kevin De Bruyne. The main reason I turn on to watch a Manchester City game is just to watch Kevin De Bruyne play. Like he is just so sensational to watch the way he can pass the ball, the way he can split a defence with a pass and be able to find his winger or striker in open space and he's just in my opinion he's probably the best midfielder in the world at the moment and yep. Oh, that's my opinion as well. Yeah. yeah like he could, he's just tearing out the Premier League year in year out and Manchester City I think without him this year would have even struggled even more. Kevin De Bruyne, man, like just so good to watch. Absolutely, yeah. Um, midfield, the other midfielder, Timmy Cahill, more for uh, sentimental value. Like Timmy Cahill, earliest football memory was the 06 and 05, 05 games or the 06 game where he scored the goals, the first ever goals of an Australian World Cup player. And yeah, we've talked about that before in previous podcasts, but Timmy Cahill. Man, he's what he's done for Australian football. Um, the goals he scored, what he's gone on to do, even his prem career. Like people, like we rave about his Australian career, but even his Premier League career was just yeah. He was a part was of the Everton side for a long, long time there. That yeah, under David Moyes were competitive. Yeah. Euro- European competitions and it was a real stalwart for Everton Absolutely. during that time. 
And moving forward, I've obviously got probably the two greatest footballers of all time in in my front three. I've got Messi, Ronaldo, and on the left, I've got Aubameyang. So yeah, Messi and Ronaldo really speak for themselves, like just what they've done consistently over the time that they've been in football. I don't think will be repeated again. Nah. Or it could be, but you never know. But Very, very unlikely. Just their level of output year on year is just second to none. And then Aubameyang over on the left, so my... Arsenal, and he's a Gabonese representative. Aubameyang, since he's come to Arsenal, has just been really prolific and he's a great player to watch as well. So that's my World Eleven. Quick wrap-up of it is Oblak, Lam, Thiago Silva, Virgil van Dijk, Danny Rose, Daniel De Rossi, Kevin De Bruyne, Timmy Cahill, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Who have you got in yours, mate? Yeah. World Eleven. I've got Matt Ryan in goals. Uh, obviously... Club Rouge, Gank, Valencia, yep. Brighton, Australia. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's my right back. Obviously, Liverpool in England. Probably one of the best young right backs in the world right now. Um, his defence probably needs a touch more bit of work, but his attacking output is second to none at the moment. Um, my centre back is Vincent Company. Obviously, what he done for Manchester City... For a long, long period of time there, obviously got to lift the Premier League trophy, I think, three times. So he was a stone wall in that um, Manchester City back line. Uh, I've got Thiago Silva next to him. Yep. As you mentioned before, he's been one of the best centre-backs in the world for a long, long time. Uh, his output is sensational. So, yeah, uh, my left back is David Alaba, obviously Bayern Munich. Hoffenheim and Austria. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, Koke from Atletico Madrid. Yep. Obviously Spanish as well. Mm, great player. Absolutely. I think the best is still to come from him as well. Uh, I've got Ericsson. Obviously Ajax, Tottenham, current Inter Milan player, and obviously Denmark. I've also got Marco Royce, Gladback, Dortmund, and Germany. Mm-hmm. On the left wing, I've got Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, obviously sporting Man United, Real Madrid, Juventus, Portugal, wherever yeah. he's gone, he scored bucket loads of goals. Uh, my right wing is Lionel Messi. I think, obviously, Barcelona, Argentina, but probably, in my opinion, the best player to ever play the game. And up front, I've got the greatest striker ever. In Didier Drogba. That's a huge shit. Obviously, Marseille, Chelsea, uh, Galatasaray, and the Ivory Coast. They don't know about greatest striker ever, but he's a great player nonetheless. No, I'm going greatest <laughs> striker ever. Eight years ago today. Well, we've had that debate between Terry Henry and Didier Drogba. Yeah. I think we all know the answer, but... Didier Drogba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. eight, eight years ago today, he scored that... Uh, that penalty. Really? Yeah. Eight years ago today. Eight years ago today, wow. he scored the penalty that Chelsea got to lift. There you go. Champions League final for the first time ever. And a very, very young Jalen cried in his lounge room <laughs> with absolute joy. <laughs> yeah, quick recap. I've got uh, Ryan, Alexander-Arnold, Company, Silva, Alaba, Koke, Eriksen, Royce, Ronaldo, Messi, and Drogba. Yeah, so that's our World Elevens. Obviously... You can try that one for yourselves. It's pretty. It was 
very difficult actually trying to get players that you wanted in there and then to readjust because obviously the one player from each club and country scenario makes it very difficult. We might even post player on player on our socials and you can go on and uh, yep. pick your own from mm. both our teams and we'll say in our next podcast the winner. Mm. That'd be exciting. Very exciting. Well, that's, that caps our World Eleven. but moving on to the what's been doing the rounds at the moment, The Last Dance, mate. Yep. The documentary that's well, shocked and riveted the, the sporting world considering that we've got no sport at the moment. It's been like the biggest sporting fix that we've got at the moment. And and uh, the 10-part series wrapped up last night. I Obviously, did, we, yes. we finished off with the Bulls winning their 98 series. Yep. That was coined the last dance. The last dance. Because coach Phil Jackson was told that that was his last year. Michael Jordan didn't want to play for another coach. Didn't want to play for another coach. Scotty Pippen wasn't given a new contract. Dennis Rodman was shown the door. All these players, these generation players that have yep. helped the Bulls to six championships in the space of eight years. Yeah. Just an incredible, incredible dynasty. And this documentary, it didn't shy away from the major talking points and controversy. Yeah, And absolutely. that's what was brilliant about it. And just the behind-the-scenes access that this, this camera crew got to do. And then the the interviews and the, the in-depth knowledge of having all the ex-players, including Michael Jordan. It's essentially a a documentary about one of the greatest sportsmen of all time and one of the greatest teams of all time. That's essentially the, the gist of it. And I think for any sporting fan, they're going to really take away something from this in terms of sport. And um, it's just a, such an incredible story, mate. Yeah. Um, if you've watched it and you still think Michael Jordan isn't the greatest basketball ever, you are absolutely kidding yourself. I think for a lot of people these days, the argument was, oh, well, LeBron's done this, LeBron's done that. We've now had a look inside uh, Michael Jordan's career. Mate, LeBron's great, but will never be Michael Jordan. Just watching some of those highlights of him going around that slam dunk contest, I think it was 84, 85. Yeah. Winning, what, five MVPs. Six championships, what he did for the dream team, being like the best player on that team in such yeah. a like massive, massive team. It's just like mind boggling the, the inter- like in just in terms of athleticism that he was able to reproduce week in, week out and be able to motivate himself in such a way, such a dead set, outright, contagious winner. Yeah. That just rubbed off on his teammates. If you weren't a winner, he didn't want you next mm. to him. Uh, I think one of the quotes out of it was from uh, John Paxson to Steve Kerr. I think we heard it last night where John Paxson said Steve asked him in their only season together, which was Steve's first year at the Bulls, Paxson's last, obviously. What? How do you make? How do you play with Michael Jordan? And Paxson basically said, "If he trusts you." that you're going to be there with him in the trenches, he'll give you your chance. Mm. Obviously, Paxson had his moment. Obviously, Steve Kerr in 97 had his moment where he hit the game-winning shot. But Michael Jordan is something else. Just the insight into Jordan himself. Yeah. And how he could not only motivate himself, but his teammates to achieve the standards and the heights that they did. Um, Yeah, he was almost a bully, you would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, but... Even the like when you when they were talking about the players in their interviews that they did, they were like, yeah, at the time he was like being like 
a jerk to us and just riding us so hard that no one really saw an emotional side of him. We just saw this, saw this like steely edge to him. Yeah. But in, when looking back on it in their reflection, they're like, yeah, he was the best teammate because he got the best out of us. Yeah. All he wanted to do was to make us better. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, obviously. For me, he was drafted into a Chicago side that was terrible. Mm. He spoke about it. All the players would basically drink and do drugs in the hotel. and Yeah. Michael Jordan just wasn't having it. He wanted to win. And I think he proved himself rookie of the year, slam dunk champion. You know, the late 80s, he went up against those piston sides, which then had Dennis Rodman in it, who was one of the best defenders to ever play basketball, probably still is one of the better defenders to play basketball. You know, and then eventually Dennis joins him and makes Michael Jordan get a few more championships like... The whole thing for me is just mind-blowing to know that someone has that level of, you know, he, he never turns it off. Mm. When he's there, it's on. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have a bad day in the office and if he does, he will work and work and work until he doesn't have a bad day. Mm. I think we've seen in the last couple of episodes last night, obviously that game that was notorious for the flu game, which we found out was the food poisoning game. Yeah. Um, still scored he was points. yeah so crook could barely slept could barely muster energy and still carried his team mm. to a victory obviously game five was of the finals was uh scotty pippen did his back yeah and come back out and still basically hobbled around the court and tried his best for the team like that's what that bull era was made on you know you work hard for the bloke next year. And I, I, I would say Michael Jordan instilled that in most of them. Yeah. Because in training, he would ride you and ride you and ride you. Well, he led by example, didn't he? Exactly right. He he never wanted you to do something that he wouldn't do. Mm. Yeah, he said that, didn't he? Like his um, attitude towards winning, winning at all costs. Winning comes at a price. Yeah, absolutely. And an extremely fascinating insight into sports superstardom as well. Before the days of social media... The only po- the only person that could probably rival that in terms of superstardom and being such an such an icon and not only in America but around the world is probably Muhammad Ali to an yep. extent. Yeah, absolutely. The only other sportsman that could probably rival that in terms of the pre-social media days, pre-social before media, yeah. internet and stuff like that. Yeah, he had so much pressure on every game to perform. Everyone wanted to go see him. Yeah, absolutely. Even rival fans wanted just wanted to go see Michael Jordan. He was that big and instrumental, but into just continually chalk out point after point, game after game, playing at the highest level. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge basketball fan, but this documentary just absolutely was riveting from start to finish. Absolutely. So well made by Netflix and the, the amount of access they got able to be able to share with the general public. And I think to be able to release it now when not much sport is going on was a genius idea as well. Just to have such a great documentary to fill in the blank and fill in this time great television i recommend it for everyone to go out and watch not only sports fans but for every walk of life this can you can take away a important message and yeah um, absolutely from it from it for as well and you've got the people can i see but the chicago bulls i'm running the bulls uh, varsity jacket at yep. the moment with all six championships on it 91 92 uh, 93 and then 96 on. 97 98 yeah Boom. so obviously i've got me jordan's on as well yeah for me Basketball is probably a big part of my life. Yeah, I wanted to ask you this. Like, so you you obviously a massive basketball fan. Yeah. 
you watch The Last Dance and saw that dynasty. Is there any other dynasties that can that you've seen over the years that maybe rival it or players that have that have achieved similar heights of Jordan or you've seen great teams go around that can that have emulated the Bulls to an extent? Yeah, you think of obviously pre-Michael Jordan, you think of the Celtics with Larry Bird and obviously the Lakers with Magic Johnson. Mm. Uh, fighting in the finals every year was one of the most exciting eras and obviously this sh- for me personally, the Chicago Bulls 90s era will never ever be emulated or replicated. But teams that have come close to it, obviously uh, Shaq and Kobe at the Lakers. I think they won three titles with the Lakers. Uh, and probably the current Golden State Warriors side that just, yeah. so last year their dynasty sort of ended fully. Um, but they're the two probably closest. I know a lot of people will say the Miami Heat side. I don't think they were quite a dynasty. They were, they were exceptional. But for me, they weren't quite a dynasty. But, you know, this Warriors side won three championships in five years. So, yeah. it's just, they're probably the only closest, but nothing will ever emulate that era of the Chicago Bulls. Definitely. Well, that leads us into our, obviously, we've, t- we've touched on the last dance and that was such an incredible dynasty. And But in terms of individual athletes, we thought we'd come up with our top 10 of all time. So, this was extremely hard. This debate will rage on for eternity. Yeah, one of those things that sports fans will talk about forever and we thought we'd have a crack at it. I'll start it off, mate. And in my top 10, I've a couple of people that I left out that I wanted to get in, but unfortunately couldn't. I'll start off with me number 10. Gone with Cristiano Ronaldo at 10. Five Ballon d'Ors, five Champions Leagues, 725 pro goals in like 1,000 appearances. You're talking about probably the footballer who has worked. He's just he's backside off to just be where he is and deserves Everything that he's gotten, the his standard that he keeps on setting for himself, along with Messi, is just second to none in my opinion, and probably the one of the hardest sports in the world in football. And Cristiano Ronaldo is certainly one of the best athletes of all time in my opinion. Number nine, I've got Serena Williams, the only female on my list, but she's won twenty three single Grand Slams, thirty nine all up, third of all time in Grand Slam wins. Serena is just probably the most dominant female player we've ever seen in tennis. Not only tennis, but probably women's sport altogether. I believe she won an Australian Open while pregnant, just to win the Grand Slams continually, even since she was at a young age, so even up to now. One of the best athletes of all time, in my opinion. Number eight, I had Roger Federer, another tennis player, 20 Grand Slams, and he's currently 38 years of age and still one of the best players in the world. I mean, we talk about the Messi and Ronaldo debate in football, but you've got the exact same in tennis. I Like, Rafael Nadal deserves a shout Novak Djokovic as well. Those three players have been number one, two, three for so, so long. Yep. Just their reign of dominance, their continual willing for success, willing to be better than the than their competitors. And being in an individual sport like tennis, to be able to continually motivate yourself to be the best and not have to rely on anyone else. You only got yourself. You only, you only got your own ability. You know, and Roger Federer, he just nudges out Nadal and Djokovic for me. I'm more of a Nadal fan personally, just like his style of play a bit more. But Federer, just his, you can't deny his stats and what he's done for the game of tennis. Um, number seven, I've got Floyd Money Mayweather. In terms of boxing, like I'm not a massive boxing fan, but in terms of boxing, Floyd is probably not the best fighter to watch. But you can't deny his record. He's undefeated. He's never lost a, a bout in a sport that is just derived solely on winning. 
success. You have to win. You can't get beaten. And he always wins. Always wins his bouts. Probably the best technical boxer of all time, best defensive boxer of all time. He just doesn't get hit. He's got an unbelievable record undefeated in professional boxing. So there he goes on the list. Number six, the human fish in Michael Phelps. Now, his Olympic record, most successful Olympian ever, the pinnacle yeah. of sport, and he's the best ever at it. So yeah. that sums him up. 28 gold medals over his time. I believe that Beijing Olympics and that London 2012 Olympics, he was so dominant. Every race he went in, he won. Yeah. Like, just, like, it's just incredible to win 28 gold medals. Like, it's hard enough to win one. He's won 28. Yeah, there's people that train their whole life. Yeah. That never win a never gold medal. Never a gold medal. Think of the won. elite, elite swimmers, and he's yeah. won 28 gold medals. Just unbelievable. Unheard of. Number five, I've got Tiger Woods. 15 majors in his time, and that comeback story of last year, where he won the Masters, but... In those prime years of Tiger Woods, you're thinking late 1990s to early 2000s, where he was just unbeatable. You just couldn't beat him in the game of golf. Like you're thinking about golf, it's such a tough sport. If you make a mistake, someone's going to punish you. Someone's going to have a good day and they're going to win. Tiger Woods just kept on winning major after major. I believe he won four majors in a year. I think it was 01 or 2000. Yeah, just unbelievable. Tiger Woods goes and lists, and we as we enter the top five, number four is Usain Bolt for me. Fastest man ever, won gold medal after gold medal. Probably the most successful track athlete there is. Like Michael Phelps, probably the best ever Olympian, but in terms of track athletics, Usain Bolt continually won the 100, 200, 400 relay events for Jamaica. He goes in number four, number three. We touched on him before. It's the great Michael Jordan. You said it, mate, probably the greatest basketball of all time. Put that aside, but in terms of individual athleticism, I think he's just absolutely phenomenal in what he could do with a basketball. Like even the greats, like we think about recent greats in Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, have all tried to base their game on what Michael Jordan did. Just truly inspirational and a truly great athlete. Deserves to go in the top 10 list, in my opinion. And the top two based on just basically individual preference and Probably my two great, my two most favorite athletes of all time. Number two is Muhammad Ali. Probably one of the greatest boxers of all time. Watching his old bouts, just how he went about boxing. I think during that time he came into boxing, it was all about slugging and just standing there. It was like a war of attrition, but he changed the game in the way he danced around the ring. It was more of a fitness game for him where he just stand on the side and just jab, jab. But he could, and he had a great punch as well and could knock people out. But his, his, his work away from boxing, what he did for the African American people and you know, just his presence away from sport, I think that adds to it. It definitely has to. And just one of the greatest sportsmen ever. And So Muhammad Ali goes in. And number one is Lionel Messi, my favorite sportsman of all time, my greatest sportsman of all time. I've seen him play live, what he continually does year in, year out. And I think all the superlatives for Messi have been used up. He's just on a level of greatness of his own. And I believe he's the best sportsman of all time, in my opinion. Quick wrap-up of my top 10 athletes. I've got... Cristiano Ronaldo, Serena Williams, Roger Federer, Floyd Mayweather, Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods, Usain Bolt, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, and number one, Lionel Messi. J-Man's come up with his own 10 as well. Who have you got, mate? Yeah, I've gone for more of a, a list where I feel like it's hard work and you know athleticism more based, Okay. personal opinion. Yep. So number 10, I've gone Novak Djokovic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of the big three in tennis, probably one of the best 
tennis players in the world for a period of you know three or four years there most australian open grand slam winner he's just second to none for me athleticism wise you know his ability to slide around the court stop on the spot you know running for me i think that's why he makes number 10 number nine i've got iron mike tyson for me he was probably one of the best boxers ever pre my era Mm. not the best but definitely one of the best. The way he fought, always hands up to the face, and if he hit you, you definitely knew about it. So I've gone Iron Mike. Number eight, I've gone for Kobe Bryant. Michael Jordan, post-Michael Jordan, basically similar games, but just his, again, work ethic and killer instinct in big moments, the ability to ride teammates, yeah, uh, wanting to win. Uh, is why he makes that list. Obviously, he won a lot of championships as well. Mm. So, Kobe Bryant at number eight. Obviously, Usain Bolt at seven. You touched on it. The greatest track athlete of all time. The only bloke to ever run 90 meters and win a 100-meter race. Mm. He's just next level ability-wise. The human fish comes in at number six in Michael Phelps. Obviously, what Michael Phelps has done, the greatest Olympian of all time. There's not much more that can be said than just how good he is. Obviously, Tiger Woods, number five. Uh, Tiger Woods, probably the greatest golfer of our generation, maybe the greatest golfer of all time. Mm. Uh, as you said, late 90s, early 1000s, he was basically untouchable. Yeah. Um, and to be able to sit there and watch his historic uh, win last last year was just something that nobody expected, I guess. it was To see it actually happen and... You know, how emotional it was because if you remember his first when he hugged his dad and cried where this time it was, you know, he was the dad, hugged his kids and it was almost like... Coming full circle. Yeah, full circle. Yeah, exactly right. So that's why Tiger is number five. Number four, Tom Brady. Mm. This is a bloke who wasn't drafted high in his sport, obviously, NFL all of a sudden is what probably one of the greatest NFL athletes there are. His durability to the game, his output to the game, six championships, consistent level for the last 16 years or so on, however long it's been, I think roughly 16 years. So he's made me top four. Number three is Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously, he's probably the most gifted football athlete there is obviously in terms of gifted i mean hard work dedication time spent in the gym obviously there's stories of him you know even united days training with weights on his ankles to make himself faster in game situations you know his dedication is similar you know that want to win that drive to win at all costs he didn't ride his teammates like kobe Bryant or michael jordan did but you know he always rode himself to make sure that in that big moment similar to them that he was ready to take that chance and I guess we've seen that for a long long time now no matter where he's been that he's always willing to step up in the big moment for his team or his country and take that chance Mm. Uh, number two Muhammad Ali probably the greatest boxer ever in my opinion what he did previously you know leaving in his prime to focus on being I guess an activist and trying to make America better for people like him. Um, 
delved in a bit of civil rights stuff. So, and then come back and was still a very good boxer. So, mm. Muhammad Ali is number two. And number one, no surprise, is Michael Jordan, the greatest athlete probably ever to live. A kid that grew up and basically was he had to beat his brothers into he had to beat the world. Mm. Uh, he trained every day. He was a bloke that would never give up. Obviously, he gave up a whole off-season and made his Chicago Bulls teammates give up a whole off-season in 1990, I think it was, as well, to be ready and to go. And obviously, at reap the rewards in 91, they won their first championship. But Michael Jordan is just a phenom. Yeah. There will be no one ever like him again, in my opinion, I don't think. Wow. So there you have it. Your so, yeah. Athletes, mate. Yeah, my roundup is Djokovic, Tyson, Bryant, Bolt, Phelps, Woods, Brady, Ronaldo, Ali, and Jordan. That is some list, mate. That is very good. Yeah, that's uh, all that we've got time for on today's podcast. Yeah, get in touch with us on the on the socials. But um, yeah, follow us on the socials to stay updated on episodes. And yeah, we'll be back for more of on the scoreboard. But until then, bye for now.